Welcome to Cut the Chaos, the podcast that teaches you to cut through the noise, take back control of your life, and create a future you love. I'm your host, professional certified coach, Sandra Jarvis. Let's do this. Welcome to Cut the Chaos. I'm excited today to have with me another coach. Um, this is Virginia Walton, and she is an executive burnout coach. So welcome, Virginia. Sandra, thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm excited to have you here and to talk about what you do. So tell us to start out with, just kind of introduce yourself and maybe tell us a little bit about what you do as a coach. So I'm Virginia Walton. Um, as you mentioned, I'm an executive burnout coach. However, before I started my own practice, I spent 24 years in the banking and finance industry. I worked from teller to small community bank, real little local one, to I was a senior vice president of a $27 billion bank by the age of 38. Wow. I spent most of my career in risk mitigation, risk management type roles. Um, and, you know, being a little younger than that, and even though now it's 2022, um, I was amazed as I worked up the corporate ladder, it was still a little bit of a boys club. And I was the only female in my satellite office who was at that SVP level. So mm. I uh, I had a lot of long days and I nearly burned out. Um, I love to share with people out of sheer horror that um, we worked in you know an open environment. So even at my level, we didn't have offices. We just had bigger desks. Okay. And I used to, you know, as everybody else had cleared out of the office at night, I'd sit there and worry, somebody's going to come in tomorrow morning and go, ew, why is Virginia in the clothes she had on yesterday? Because I dropped dead at my desk. And I was, you know, in my late 30s, early 40s. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way. And yeah, so that's a horrible um, thing to think. <laughs> so I really hope that that kind of scares your listeners. Um <laughs> in a good way, in a motivational way. Um, you know, it's like driving by the accident, you double check your own seatbelt, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's why I share it. Not that I'm like, oh my God, that's horrible. But to create that pause. Um, I had been studying, I was exposed to coaching, um, oh my gosh, 12 years ago. When I was the lowest level of management, um, it was mandatory. And I really embraced the process because I had a coach tell me, he goes, here's your life story. Here's your, your 360 results. This all makes sense, Virginia. If you don't change, you're not going any further. And I was about 30, 31 at the time. And I thought, well, that's horrible. And that sparked this whole journey of, I studied leadership development and self um, self-development. I turned my hour commute into study time with audiobooks. And that's kind of how I pivoted, you know, from banking um, to really wanting to help others kind of learn from my mistakes because I made a bunch of them. Right. And never have that feeling of, oh my gosh, they're going to find me dead at my desk. <laughs> at, you know, any age, regardless of if you're in your 40s or even younger. Right. Yeah, that's kind of a crazy story to to be the to be the one sitting at your desk thinking, huh, maybe I'm just gonna keel over and die. You know, I I find that really interesting because there was some level of awareness in you mm -hmm. 
to have that thought, you know, that you were literally working yourself to death. So, uh, I thought since, you know, this is cutting through the chaos, I'd share my own personal chaos to get us started. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's actually really powerful because I know that, that it's, especially I think for women who are kind of perfectionistic a little bit, you know, it's not uncommon and women who want to climb in the corporate world. I mean, it's kind of an expected thing. It's, you said it, it's kind of a boys club and to stand out and to move up, you have to do something that gets you noticed. Yeah. And there's that fine line of, you know, the assertive man versus it. And when a woman does it, depending upon who your audience, they perceive it either as she's strong and powerful or she's a bitch. Yeah. And that having to walk that line and be extra conscious of how you're saying everything all the time adds to that exhaustion. Right. Yeah, definitely. And and I think that that's something that's really important to recognize because it can happen in any area, right? It can happen in any area of life. It doesn't have to be in the corporate world. It can be as a parent, Mm -hmm. as, you know, whatever your thing is when you're, it could be, you know, a volunteer, volunteering in your church or just being involved in your church. It can be all those things. And I think it's important to recognize that when you are living unbalanced, mm-hmm. burnout is kind of inevitable. Yeah. And I think one of the challenges I've seen either through myself or um, through other women is one, you think you're the only one not holding it all together. Right. And two, you get into it for so long that it just becomes normal. Like I just should be exhausted. I just shouldn't have time to, uh, you know, go work out, to disconnect, to do whatever fuels you. And, you know, I, I've read all the books. I, I think I've calculated like 3000 hours of self-study based on my commute and, um, they all sound great. And yeah, block your calendar, say no to that project, say no to volunteering. And that doesn't work in real world. Like, yeah, yeah, that that might put your article viewership and readership high or sell books, but that's really hard to make that an everyday reality. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when, when you do have goals. Yeah. Because then it's like, well, then how do I reach my goals if I'm not willing to be the one to take on the projects mm-hmm. or to stand out? Then how do I do that? Somewhere along the way, we picked up that to be successful, you have to sacrifice more than you would think, right? And that's not really the case. It's actually counterproductive. Not that you can just, you know, wish it into being and not do any work and you'll be successful, but there really is a balance, you know, great athletes take a rest and recovery period before big events. They train hard, but they take rest and recovery. Right. And so we forget that that applies, even if you're not, you know, an Olympian or an elite athlete, that we all need that rest and recovery. Yeah, definitely. 
And I love that. I love that idea because it's, I tend to be a workaholic. I'll just admit it. Mm -hmm. I'm really good at working Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I get a lot of satisfaction from the things that I accomplish, you know, but, um, but I think that there is something that, you know, it's just so important to remember that you do, our bodies need rest. You know, it's not even about getting tired. It's about allowing our bodies to recover, Mm -hmm. you know? And I was, I was actually just this weekend was reading an article about sleep and about all the things that happen inside of us during sleep. And I was like, so fascinating. And why don't we talk about that? (laughs) No, no. Because we must be productive all the time. Right. Well, I read one time in an article many years ago, so I have no idea what my source was, but they, or maybe it was even in school, that you burn more calories sleeping than you do if you're just like lying around Yeah, because your body's doing all this work while you're sleeping. So if you think about it, like, well, if I want to be more productive, I should fall asleep rather than just binge watch whatever I'm binge watching. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to no, burn more calories. It's true. Well, and I, the, the article I read, and I don't have a clue where it was now either, but it was talking about that, you know, that's when the, throughout our day, there's all kinds of like nerves that are, you know, broken down and our brains are, they, it receives damage. And it's, it's like during our sleep, our body literally goes in and repairs our cells so that we can continue on. I was like, oh, that's really cool. I can feel totally productive while I'm sleeping now. Right? <laughs> <You know? laughs> One time, I was probably in my 30s, I met with a nutritionist and the first thing she had to do was uh, an activity log, not just of what your food intake was, but you had a, like your exercise activity and your sleep. And I walked in and I'm like, listen, I'm exercising eight times a week. I'm eating the small meals and my weight's not moving. I don't know what else to do. And she looked and she goes, you need more sleep. I'm like, I don't have time for sleep. I have to be at the gym at five o'clock. And then I go back for like a seven o'clock class. She goes, yeah, on your activity level, you probably eat, need eight and a half to nine hours sleep. I'm like, I don't have time for that. She goes, we need to find it. <laughs> and it was, that was kind of an aha moment for me. And I actually, that's where I started using my corporate productivity skills in my personal life and said, okay, how can I streamline things at home so I can get to bed earlier and, you know, streamline my morning process. And, you know, I worked with a guy who was like all the Six Sigma certifications. He like breathed it everywhere. I knew the principles, but I never bothered to get the certifications. I told him what my like weekend prep was. He goes, oh my God. That's fabulous. I'm like, well, yeah, like when I put laundry away, I plan my outfits out for the whole week. So I don't have to think about it. I went to Catholic school. I never learned how to get up and go to the closet and dress myself every day. Um, <laughs> it was easy as a child. Right. <laughs> complicated life as an adult. And even I would prep all my food on the weekend. And it was funny. Then they brought in, you know, wellness in the office and they have a nutritionist and she starts explaining, you need to food prep and here's how you do it. And I'm like, I already do all this. Like, you're not telling me anything new. 
Um, but it was how I would able to, you know, you trim 10 or 15 minutes off some of your regular routines and, oh, yeah, you, you can get a few hours that you don't realize, right? Yeah. And we apply those all day at work. I live, right. you know, in the corporate era of do more with less. And I'm like, well, why am I not using it? And that's actually the approach I bring to my coaching since I'm working with executive women. The tools you use all day to make your business grow or your function grow, if you're not, you know, depending upon what right. you do, you already have the knowledge, just apply them here. Interesting. And you can get the same kind of results. Yeah. You know, you do all this monitoring. I was a risk management person, right? So we had to monitor issues and monitor progress and make sure everything was in tolerance. Well, I'm like, well, why am I not doing that personally? Yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay. So tell me, because I'm curious, whenever we talked before, you, you mentioned the four C's for avoiding burnout. But you okay. didn't tell me what they were. And I've been curious ever since. Because <laughs> oh, it's a secret. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll share my secret. Um, yes, my program is the four C's to combat uh, corporate burnout. Okay. And they are confidence. Because one of the things that we uh, spend a huge amount of time on and waste time is a lack of self-confidence, Yes. right? And it's that lack of self-confidence that drives a lot of things. Like, you know, when I was first promoted because I was younger and I was the only woman, I was a little insecure in my role. You know, if my boss called or emailed me, I would be like, I gotta respond immediately. Well, once I gained the confidence and a little bit more, I earned my seat. I had gotten a new boss and all of a sudden I realized, seven o'clock or seven thirty in the morning, he's sending me all these emails. I'm still working out. Right. And I'm like, but I had the confidence to go to him and say, what is your expectation? Mm -hmm. I'm getting all these emails at seven. That's different than what I'm used to. What is your expectation of me? When do you expect a response? He goes, oh, that's just when I'm most productive. I don't expect you to respond at that hour. You do uh -huh. what's best for you, but not having the confidence we just self-impose all these things and, and burdens on ourselves that may not be there. Right. So that's the first thing I try to, to work on. Yeah. And um, interesting, as I, I would talk to clients or, you know, reach out and do market research, one of the big things was they want permission, right? So if you're not giving yourself that permission, that again is coming from a lack of confidence. You're, you've gotten where you are for some reason. Right. So why are you questioning everything? Like it's counterproductive, right? And we don't, time is the one non-renewable resource. You can make more money. You can't make more time. Yeah. So that's a big part of it. Um, another is communications, right? We all communicate differently. And that's where I go back to earlier. I said, you know, is it the, I'm a strong, confident woman, or I'm a corporate bitch that would stab you in the back. Right. Yes. <laughs> and I started to notice, um, you know, there is, I think, some generational, you know, because while I was shocked it was still a boys club, I was working with women who that's what they grew up in their whole career. So knowing that that's what they had experienced and when they communicated, that's where they were coming from. I didn't take it personally. Right. 
one of the other big things too is, again, they kind of go hand again. Every time somebody made a snippy or, you know, you know, that confrontational type dialogue or email that we retone into email that's not there. And then you sit and you stew on it. And again, it's not moving you forward. It's draining you time, energy. You're probably getting pissy. You're going to go have a cookie. It's just (laughs) counterproductive. Right. So once you can make the shift to go, you know what? Their crabby attitude is not about me. Yes. It's about them. So knowing that it's about them, then you communicate back from a sound, confident place, not from a defensive, I need to, we're fighting, dude. We're fighting, man. Um, so that's why I think that's important. Yeah. They, they tie together. I think that is, I think that is actually one of the most important skills that I personally learned from coaching is, is learning that it's not all about me. <laughs> And applying it's all that. about me, Sandra. Well, right. It's all about you. I know. And, and you're more, yeah. <laughs> but, but literally, I mean, just applying that in your life, recognizing that everybody's not looking at you, that everybody's not thinking about you, that everybody's not mad at you, that everybody, you know, all those things. It's like, no, really, most people are just thinking about themselves and yeah. trying to go through their own life and get their own stuff done. Right. But we spend all this time assuming, what did I do? Why is that? And, and really, they've moved on. Yeah. You know, I would still be, we'd have a nine o'clock staff meeting and somebody would say something that torqued me up. I'd still be replaying that conversation at 630 in the car for an hour on the way home. Like, and I, I, I forget, I think somebody said to one time, or I picked it up somewhere. Are they paying rent? Because if they're not, why are you letting them take up space in your mind? I go, no. Yes. But once I started realizing, I'm like, you know what? I don't know what's going on in his day. I don't know what he just got from his boss. You know what? And I don't really, whatever. That's on you, dude. Right. That's on you, not me. And then you can move on and be productive rather than sit and stew, question yourself, not get anything done. And it's just a vicious cycle. Yeah. But it is hard to learn. You know, yeah. um, and I think it's harder for women than men because, th- you know, they just get that arrogance and stuff where we're always, we want to please. Right. So when you, your reaction is, I didn't do something right. Yeah. When really it's not, it's not because you're right. We're all, it's all about our own stuff. And even if you think about it, as we're sitting there stewing on it, we're making it about us. Right. <laughs> they made it about them. Like, it, what happened? Yeah. Um, so care, self-care or care for others. Okay. You know, we get so caught. We want to take care of everybody. You know, if you've got a team at work, if you've got clients, your family, everybody. Right. And then you forget, you got to take care of yourself, but it's funny. I think I just saw an ad, right. Cause it's the new year. Everything was starting about, um, you know, the ads. And I saw one that was saying, it was a Botox ad running through the, actually, I think it was running through the whole holiday season. And that was how the woman described her self-care was going for Botox. Oh. And I'm like, that's, yeah. that's, that's part of yours, but that's all of it. Like that's, that's taking care of, you know, the crow's feet in the front lines or laugh lines, but 
that's not really taking care of you. Yes. Just like, you know, I always joked about, I had a client tell me, you know, she would go for a massage. Great, quiet time, relaxing. All she would do through the whole thing would be thinking about the emails that and phone calls backing up. Right. I'm like, well, then that. Not doing and so, any good. Right. And for, I had friends who they have a personal space, right? Like even before the pandemic, they didn't want you touching that. So a massage would be horrible. Right. That would be torture. So I think it's important that we define self-care based on what feeds and fuels you. Yes. Because it may be very different than me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. There are people, they got to put their toes in the sand. I would hate that. I don't like sand blowing (laughs) on me. Please don't make me go lay. And I'm not productive in it. That freaks me out. Right. Like I need a balance of where I'm, I'm doing something to better me as part of my, my downtime. Yeah. Um, No, I think so for the, the definition that I give of self-care is the process of creating something inside yourself that you love. I like that. And, you know, I mean, a a massage could contribute to that, right? But the focus then becomes on what's inside of you rather than the the thing that's happening, right? Right. And so that I really like that definition of self-care because it kind of shifts that focus of how am I feeling inside rather than what's happening to me outside? Yes. Yeah. No, and like, again, part of it takes confidence. I, I've had a regular massage therapist for years now. Right. So great because she can knows, she knows my body and what to do, but early on, like, you know, she's a little younger and she's bubbly and fun. And she would start to chat. And I would be like, this was like at the peak of my chaos in my career. And I'm like, okay, I'm not, I don't mean to sound rude, but I need quiet. I don't want to chat. Don't take it personally. I just need quiet to just turn off my mind for the next hour. She's like, okay. But again, you have to have that confidence right. to be able to communicate it in a way too that, you know, you're not being disrespectful to somebody giving you a service, in right? That, but you're also getting what you need from that hour. Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah. And that does take confidence to, to communicate that to whoever. And that could be in many different situations without the confidence to really stand up for yourself. And, and even, I would even go so far as to say without the confidence to even know what you need, you know, because I think sometimes we don't even have the confidence to know what is going to be the best for us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So that's why, you know, we get so caught up in the, the, you know, the trendy self-care, whatever that we, we forget. And it's different for everybody. Right. Right. What fuels you and what fuels me may be 180 degrees different. Yes. So I I want to help you find what works for you. Right. You know, I might share a story like I did now with, hey, I had to tell her, zip it, sweetie. Yeah. I think you're awesome. But I need you to not talk to me. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and she's like, okay. I'm like, we can chat all you want when when we're done. And she's like, cool. Yeah. You know? Um, a funny story was I went to a wellness resort. I used to go for once a year for, uh, at the peak of my chaos in my career. And there was a mistake in the booking in the spa. 
and they didn't ask me my preference and they scheduled me with a male masseuse. And I'm like, I've never had one. I don't know if I'm going to be comfortable. So I walk in and I told the guy, I said, listen, if I wig out, please don't take it personally. It's not you. And he's like, no, I get it. I, I honestly don't remember if I, I stuck it out or not. Actually, I think I did. And I think his style was he used a towel. I'm like, I prefer a sheet. Oh, he's like, oh, okay. Flopped a sheet over me instead. Right. But again, you got to be comfortable with what you need, what you're comfortable with. Right. And and just, and you know what? Usually the more candid you are, the most people will appreciate it. Yeah. Especially people who are in the business of giving service because they right. want you to feel good. They want you exactly. to be happy. Yeah. Yeah. So recognizing um, that it's okay. It's okay to do what you need for you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really hard for us because we yeah. want to take care of everybody first. So exactly. you can do that, but you can't do it at the cost of yourself. Right. You know, you, you wind up like the old airplane analogy, your mask first. Yes. Um, and then the last C is confines because boundaries would have messed up my four C's. <laughs> so I needed a synonym. <laughs> So plus I want to use, you know, the, that SAT prep work I did years ago. Finally, right. big word. Um, but in all seriousness, I think based on a lot of the self-study I did, when we say boundaries, it's always presented in the connotation of no. No, I'm not staying after this hour. No, I'm not checking email on the weekends. No, I'm not volunteering. Right. And I don't think that's not a that's no, that's not a boundary, you know, boundaries, you know, yes, if, if you're a property owner, you have strict boundaries, but if you have good neighbors, you kind of ebb and flow. Right. So you got to find what's, where's your balance? Like how far can you go? Sometimes you might go a little farther, but you have to know the boundaries so that you know, you've gone past it. Right. And you can back it and, and know, okay, I'm a little bit past but this is temporary and I'm coming back into my lane. Right. And so I really try to help my clients find the, the balance within those rather than the hard no, which is really funny since I spent my career making sure people were following policy procedures and regulations. (laughs) So, you know, and they're good on the hard line, but I also know that that comes at a cost. Right. Right. So let's find what, and it's more than just saying, no, I'm leaving the office at 5.30 every day. Right. Okay. Um, The example I like to use is, you know, I wound up with the same boss that was sending me emails at seven o'clock. I knew for me, if I did five or 10 minutes of meditation and got in at least a half hour of some of exercise, I was more productive, more focused, and I just performed better. I, I dealt with, you know, the fire drills and the crappy comments, you know, better. That was more important than that, whether I walked in at nine o'clock or 9.20. Right. I go, if I skip all of these and just to be there at an arbitrary time of nine, unless you have a meeting or something that's different. All right, yeah. Um, then I actually gained that time back because I was working from a better starting point. Right. You know, 
Well, in the same count, you have the boundaries. Oh, you know what? This day, we have a hard start at nine o'clock for the weekly staff meeting. Okay, I might have to give and do these things in the evening. Right. You know, yeah. and no, okay, I'm going to go into my day like it's a Monday rather than like I'm awesome. Right. So you know what you need. And if sometimes you're not there, you give yourself grace, but you don't hang there permanently. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I like Or that. beat yourself up because, oh my God, the boss, there was a fire drill and, uh, you know, the world's going to end. Right. It's funny. I worked in banking and we had a culture at one period earlier. That was the action. Everything was the end of the world. I, <laughs> I've yet to see the collapse of the global economy right. in the, in the time I was there. Um, nor did the OCC come in and shut us down. Right. And I'm like, why, why are we acting like people are dying? Yeah. You know? And I think sometimes we forget that, that it's not, it's not the end of the world. Right. Well, yeah. And, and I think that we do that in many things. I know that <laughs> there, there have been times in my life where I felt like, you know, I had, I had this responsibility and it was supposed to be done at this time. And it was like, I, you know, I was going to move the ends of the earth to make sure that it was done. And it was going to cause all kinds of issues in my family and my marriage and my, you know, whatever, but I'm going to do it. Right. And it really didn't matter. And I think it that's didn't. important to recognize that some, there are, there are deadlines that are important. And there are other deadlines that are there just so that we'll get things done. And it's okay to recognize that mm -hmm. and to allow yourself a little grace and to take care of you in those instances, mm -hmm. you know. I've left a load of laundry in the dryer since last night. <laughs> I promise not to tell anyone. <laughs> you know what? The sun still came up this morning. Uh, yes. Nobody, I didn't get any reports that anybody died. My house is still standing. <laughs> and yes, we're laughing, but there was a point in, in my life where I was like, no, it, it's got to be done. Like I hosted 30 members of my family for Easter Sunday dinner. Easter Monday, I had a 9 a.m. flight to our corporate headquarters in Florida. I had, and we use real dishes, real plates and tape fabric tablecloths. I didn't go to bed until the dishwasher was completely emptied. Everything was washed, dried, put away, house back, like there had never been a guest in my house. Right. And then got on a business trip, you know, for a week. Who, who would have known as long as the, you know, the napkins and tablecloths weren't still wet when I got home in a week, who would have known they were in the dryer rather than folded away in a tote in the attic for the next holiday? Right. Yeah. I'm like that. I was living crazy. And yes. I don't want anybody to do that. Like we thought everything has to be in its place. I think this stems back to the movie Thumb and Louise. I saw it as a young child. And I always <laughs> remember in one of the opening scenes, I don't remember which was which, um, but she was cleaning her kitchen as they were leaving for their little vacation and washing her coffee mug and putting it back. And I think I carried that into my life. And I'm like, listen, I don't live in Phil. 
and I try to make sure everything gets back. But if it's tomorrow, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes we act like it's not. Right. And that's where I'm okay, set your boundaries. Like, yes. what do you really need to worry about? You know, I have a friend who left corporate to be a stay-at-home mom. Right. And she would always like, so then it was them, you know, my house isn't, I'm like, uh, are the kids alive? Is the house still standing? Did you feed them? Okay, success. Yeah. Like, who cares if the laundry is still sitting there to be folded? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, you have a toddler. She gets dressed in the living room anyway. <laughs> it's working the end there. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. There's a difference between clutter and filth. Right. You're not raising your children in filth. You've got a two year old's clutter. Yes. Okay, go with it. And that's exactly right. And I and I think it's awesome that you picked that up from Thelma and Louise and that you didn't live it. Because see, in my life, it was what was expected. <laughs> so I picked that up from my father who literally, before we went on vacation, the house was spotless. The trash was taken out. Everything was dusted. All the beds were made. The laundry was done. I mean, it was, it was, like a religious experience our house had to be yeah. completely perfect you know and that carried into every other area of our lives but I think that that it happened you know that that's something that many of us believe that if we are walking away from our house or if we are doing whatever in order. You know, everything needs to be in perfect order and and it's okay if it is I mean awesome but you don't have to kill yourself to do it. You don't have to create right. more chaos in your life so that exactly. your house can be clean. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, you're trying to go away to relax. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're stressing yourself out to the relax part. Like, yes. Joe. Yeah. So I have another friend who they, you know, they'll go away for a weekend they'll be, and I help watch the dog and they have a small, like under two years old. And then an, another middle school age child. And I'll walk in and I'm like, you left with, wow, you left like dirty dishes on the sink. Or, um, and I'm like, there's part of me that goes like, should I wash them like to help? And then I'm like, whatever, it's okay. This, whatever. Yeah. You know, I know the quality of people, their kids are clean. They're yeah. well-behaved. You know, they're awesome people. I'm like, it's really not that big a deal that they left, you know, the morning plates it's no, not like actually, they're going to be gone they, for weeks. Yeah. And they have actually done the very thing that we're trying to teach our clients to do, right? To let it go. And I'm like, <laughs> but it's funny. I walk in, I catch myself starting to go, hey, what? Right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's pretty, they're chill. <laughs> that's why they're, they're away <laughs> and I'm watching the dog. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so... But, you know, being able to pick up on the, like, and you know what? I go, I'm not judging them. Right. Like, it didn't change my impression of them. So here I'm thinking, why did I worry when the, the only person who would be in my house when I wasn't there was the cleaning lady? Right. She's there to clean anyway. <laughs> I love it. Yes. It's so true. It just, I just identify so much with these behaviors that I have to laugh because, well, I don't, a lot I, of us do. Yeah. But we exactly. haven't come to the other side yet. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's what, what we do. And, and there's so much freedom on the other side. 
that's the thing that it really so, is yeah I mean when you're able to let that stuff go when you're able to surrender when you're able to really to put the boundaries in place that are for you yes yes <laughs> that's the first thing. it's so funny I'm, I'm thinking people are gonna be like oh no this isn't about anybody at work your no. boss your spouse we need to work on you yes exactly your, what you're telling yourself what you're in, and a lot of these boundaries we set are like they oh i can't leave the office early who said right what yeah. yeah you self-impose that right i uh i shared a story i coach youth field hockey as a volunteer in my town and so it's a fall sport your days are getting shorter and it's, I lived an hour from my office, right? So I had to get on time. Our field is literally in the middle of nowhere. Parents are expecting adults. These are kids, seventh and eighth graders, right. maybe fifth and sixth graders. And I, you can't go in your business suit and skirt and run field hockey practice. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so I'm trying to change in the office, but, you know, of course, I have an office, so I got to go to the bathroom or, right. and I said to somebody, I go, I really, I realized I actually physically shrunk as I'm trying to leave. So I was like behind the cue walls and people didn't see me because I'm in shorts and a t-shirt and I'm like, and it's, it's before five <laughs> and I'm trying to get out and I'm like, really? Yeah. I, I was a salaried employee. I wasn't providing coverage. I could go home and deal with anything after practice. And again, nobody's going to die in the next two hours. Right. But here I was an accomplished person in my field and I'm walking out like a kid sneaking out, yeah. you know, like cutting class. Right. Yeah. Like, because of the, of the self-imposed things, that, rules right. that mean, you put on yourself. Yeah. Everybody knew my calendar was blocked. You know, my boss knew, listen, these are the days. Like, it wasn't like I hit it, but here I, you know, I'm like, yes, <laughs> like, dopey. Yeah. Yeah. No. And and, but, but I think that's so important to recognize that we do that, that we do impose yeah. things on ourselves and make them and make them. So, and it's not even that, this is what I see in myself, at least it's that we make ourselves so important that yeah. the world can't revolve, you know, or the world can't, can't live without us. And so we have these self-imposed things that make us believe that we have to follow everything exactly. And it's just yeah. not true, you know? Yeah. The, and there's so I much freedom when you recognize that. There really is. I would pick the wellness resort I went to because they made you disconnect from your device. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I know I can't self-impose. I'll wind up working, but I'll follow a rule, right? I'm a risk person. I'll follow a rule. Guess what? When I got back, we were still in business. Yeah. My team hadn't quit. Nothing. I, <laughs> I know. I was like, holy cow. Yeah. The, the regulators didn't come in and shut us down. Yeah. Building's still here. People are still here. Look at that. Yeah. You know what? They're still in business even since I've left. Interesting. Who knew? Huh? <laughs> they lived without you. 
Yeah, that is just, I, I, that is a powerful lesson. It's one that whenever I was in an accident a few years ago, I severed my right hand and I was, um, I went through 20 surgeries to have it reattached and repaired. It took five years. And in that time, it was really interesting because I was at the time that it happened, I was managing a business and I was like, the business is going to fall apart. You know, I was literally lying in ICU on the phone with people because the business is going to fall apart without me. Right. And it was interesting through that process because I initially, I mean, I eventually had to completely pull myself out of all of these different places that I was in. And I often talk about that. It was like dying before you actually die because I was in this position to watch as everything around me just went on, right? It just all, everything kept happening. The the company that I worked for, they were totally fine without me. You know, the church that I volunteered at, it continued. Even my family, I mean, I couldn't do anything, right? I cut off my hand, so I couldn't cook. I couldn't clean. I couldn't do anything and everything worked out. And, and are you right-handed? I am. Yeah. And it was, it, but it was such a powerful lesson for me to see that if I disappeared, because I effectively did, Mm -hmm. everything would keep working. Everything was fine. And so it was so huge to recognize that it's okay if I don't show up to one thing, or if I don't commit to this other thing or whatever, everything's going to continue to work. The world doesn't revolve around me. I know it revolves around you, but it doesn't revolve around me. (laughs) All right. It doesn't revolve around me. (laughs) So I just, I love that. And I love that. I I love your four C's. They're awesome. Confidence, communication, care, and confine confined confines 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 there you go confines and they're great because I think those are so important in any kind of burnout I mean I know that you are working specifically with corporate burnout but in anything when you're just overdoing it it's like those are important areas to recognize and corporate women have lives outside of their corporation imagine that and and that I know the nerve yeah that's kind of when you add that layer because now they're trying to give 110 percent in all these dimensions yes you know at their church or community groups at work their families yeah and so it may not be it it's can be the combination of all that tips you over the scale yeah right yeah definitely yeah well, okay. So if, if there is one message that you could leave, or if, if there's one thing you want the audience to come away with today, what would it be? Like the one thing that would be, if you took one lesson from our conversation, let it be this. Oh, now that's tough after you shared your story about your accident. How do I beat that? <laughs> that's a lot. Wow. So that's a pretty powerful message in all seriousness. And I'm grateful that you shared it. Um, that it's really, it's not the external sources, whether it's work or 
family and community responsibilities that are that are burning you out. It's how you are responding to them. So it really is within your control without having to necessarily quit your job, quit volunteering, you know, send your family packing. Right. Um, it's really how we react to them. Yes. And that the good news is that's completely in our control. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And I yeah. love that. And that is, that's what I teach too, is that you think that your life is creating the chaos, but the truth is the chaos is happening yeah. inside of you and yeah. getting that under control makes everything else feel doable. And yeah. I think that's so true. So, Absolutely. I would go for my annual physical every year and the doctor would say, how are you? And it was right after the field hockey season ended. So I'd be like, I'm run down. He goes, you need to quit coaching like youth sports. Right. And I'm like, no, that's a sense of joy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, no, we need another answer. Yeah. Go back. <laughs> yeah. Because of the way that it made you feel inside. And that's exactly. so true. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that, and I think that's an important thing to recognize when dealing with burnout is that, is that there are things that feed you and there are things that drain you. Absolutely. And identifying those is the key mm -hmm. to recognizing what you, where you need, where your work is really. Yeah, absolutely. That's so. part of my, we do that work in my program. Yeah. 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 And that is powerful. So well, um, I always ask my guests to leave an affirmation at the end of our episode. Do you have an affirmation that you can leave with us? I do. I'm so excited you asked. I actually have a long list of affirmations I do daily, but I created a special one awesome. um, for, for, your, for our time together and to share with your guests. So um, I'm hoping that they will adopt this one. Yes. I have time for me and I deserve time for me. I love that. Yes. And that is, that is the message. I really, I mean, that is the underlying message of all of it is that, mm -hmm. is that we deserve it. We deserve to take care of ourselves. Yeah. And to it, create, it's not selfish. Right. Exactly. It's, it's who we, are. I mean, I talk all the time with my people about the number one person in your life mm -hmm. and it's, you. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's the only one that's with you from birth till death. <laughs> well, and it's the only one that matters because if you go away, then yeah, there's nothing left to, to, you know, and, and people sometimes argue with me and I'm like, no, no, no. Listen to what I'm saying. When you're gone, you don't have to worry about anything else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, but right up until then, you have to worry if you're at your desk and you're in yesterday's clothes. Well, right. Exactly. Because <laughs> we don't want you to die there and have people think poorly of you for dying in yesterday's clothes. <laughs> huh. uh, well, thank you for being here today, Virginia. I've enjoyed our conversation. I have too. Thank you so much for having me. This yeah. was great. And so if people want to find you, um, where would they go? Um, not to my desk. Uh, my, my website is virginiawalton.com. Okay. Um, I'm also, I post a lot of great tips on LinkedIn. So just look okay. for Virginia Walton on LinkedIn. You see some great, uh, information and resources there. It's also on my website too, virginiawalton.com. Okay, great. Very, 
Very tough to remember. Yeah, really hard. <laughs> I'm very creative. <laughs> Sometimes that's a good thing. Uh, all right. Well, thank you so much for being here. And thank you to all of our listeners. We appreciate you being here too. So have a great day, everyone. Have a great day. Thank you. Thanks for being here today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow, rate, and review to help me get the word out. And if you really enjoyed this episode, grab a screenshot and share it on social media. Thanks again for spending a few minutes in my world.